There has to be some common sense. Yes, sir, they have the car stopped in town at Grant's microwave. We still don't know who pulled the trigger. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, retired NYPD Sergeant Bill Cannon, a 27-year veteran of the NYPD, retired out of Manhattan North Homicide Squad. Folks, if you like real crime stories from a police perspective, then you're in the right place because that's where we're coming from. And I just want to thank everyone for the amazing amount of support you have shown uh, to police off the cuff real crime stories of late. The channel is growing by leaps and bounds. The support and the love that we get from you guys in the chat, it keeps me going day to day and keeps me want to do new stories and keeps me wanting to excel for you guys, if I could use that word, excel. Uh, and I want to bring you um, the best of real crime and and from our perspective and from you know the real deal, the real the real investigative techniques that are used to bring the bad guy to justice, and that that's what we're all about here. And again, thank you so much for your support because it is so 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 important uh, for us. So uh, the police, this is according to the New York Times, the police say a serial killer could be behind shootings in Stockton, California. The police said they had connected a series of shootings that have left six dead through ballistics and video footage and said a serial killer could be to blame. Stanley McFadden, the chief of the Stockton Police Department, said everyone is at risk. Six homicides since April have unsettled residents in California's Central Valley. Excuse me, Central Valley. It might be the work of a serial killer. The police in Stockton, California, said last week that five victims, all men, between the ages of 21 and 54, fatally shot while alone in dimly lit areas at night or in the early morning between July 8th and September 27th. Four of the men were Hispanic, one was white. On Monday, the police said they had linked two additional shootings. A 40-year-old Hispanic man was killed in Oakland, California, about 70 miles west of Stockton on April 10th. And a 46-year-old black woman was shot in Stockton on April 16th, but survived her injuries. Stanley McFadden, the chief of the Stockton Police Department, said in a news conference on Tuesday that the authorities do believe we could have a potential serial killer. That's how we're going to treat it as such. He added that the authorities had connected the killings through ballistics and video footage, but he did not give details. The Stockton Police Department released footage on Tuesday of a person of interest. Chief McFadden asked residents to help police find the person. And I'll show you that person, what they're considering. This is the best they have. This is from a video image that they recreated. They think that could be, and they don't know for sure, they think that could be the perpetrator. And one of the unusual things about him when they show the video is his gait. His walk, it seems to have a bit of, of, of a limp. Um, so they connected these through um, video and, of course, ballistics. The Stockton Police Department released footage again on Tuesday of a person of interest. This is what you're looking at right now. Um, the video, uh, who they think may be, and not, there's no um, concrete identification. He's seen walking with an uneven stride and an upright posture. Investigators... I've interviewed the black woman who survived, Chief McFadden said. She told investigators that she was in a tent when she heard someone walking around her campsite. When she stepped outside, she saw someone wearing dark clothes and a mask pointing a gun at her. She rushed toward the shooter and was shot multiple times. The shooter then lowered his gun, Chief McFadden said. When asked if homeless people were at risk, Chief McFadden said, well, to be honest, I would say everyone is at risk. None of the five men shot in Stockton were robbed. Their keys and wallets were not taken. The attacks happened in different neighborhoods. 
It was not immediately known if the victim and the two additional shootings were robbed. The police said on Friday, the investigators had reviewed hours of surveillance video and were seeking a person of interest whom they asked the public to help identify. Uh, the photo you're seeing is the photo that they published. You really can't make an identification. The photo is no, no better than a silhouette. Investigators do not know if that person is responsible for all the killings or if others were involved. Um, there could be one person. There could be multiple people, he said. We just don't know. While the investigation continues, the police have asked residents to remain vigilant, to avoid isolated and dimly lit areas, and not to travel alone if possible. The police also asked residents to call a tip line with a possible leads and to share video that could help in the investigation. The reward for information that leads to an arrest totaled $115,000 on Tuesday. We're pleading with our community officer, Silva said, asked for information and mentioning the reward. We do have grieving family members who want some type of closure, and we're asking people to do the right thing and contact us. The killings have spread anxiety among some residents and prompted some to wonder whether other unsolved homicides in the city might be connected. Um, something is going on in the city of Stockton, and it's not gang violence, Mr. Uh, a spokesman for the strategy manager at Advanced Peace Stockton uh, said, there's an undertone of a kind of racism. Residents are feeling unprotected and sense that things are very, very unsafe, more than usual, he said. Officer Silver said investigators do not believe that the victims were targeted because they were Hispanic. At this point, we don't believe that to be a factor. Stockton is the agricultural flatlands of California's Central Valley, 80 miles east of San Francisco Bay Area, and is home to about 322,000 people and has long struggled with poverty and violence. Um, Stockton has recorded 43 homicides this year compared with 39 last year. Uh, so it's a violent, it's a very violent community. That's a lot for a community with 300,000 people. 43 and the year's not even over, and they already are up four from the previous year. Um, and they have a, a, a high uh, gang problem um, of 12 of their murders are, are gang related. Um, we track it daily. Obviously, we know the ins and outs. We became aware of this because something just felt irregular about these particular crimes. He said that the killings had created anxiety and unease, but said the city was trying to respond. By communicating frequently with residents and by working to catch this particular person or persons as soon as possible. So, folks, you can imagine the uh, the panic, uh, and they're really not being that forthcoming with this. This is happening in areas that house a lot of homeless people. All right, and I think five out of the six victims, excuse me, four out of the five male victims. Um, were male Hispanics, and the other the other victim was a female black. Uh, here's a, a well. This is some of the victims. The other they have their names. Um, so there was one Paula Yaw with male male white, and the other five were male Hispanics. And then there was a uh, I guess it would be a seventh a, a female black. Um, so how are we? How are they connecting these crimes then? And I, they're very careful. They're being very careful because they don't want to incite panic with any of this. However, six or seven shootings, guess what the commonality is? And how did they put this pattern or this, this idea that they potentially have a serial killer? Well, the answer is ballistics. The ballistics all match. Therefore, they're not ready to say it's the same person but guess what it's the same firearm it's the same gun and they can say that definitively however they're not even putting out the facts they're not identifying the caliber of the weapon does the community really need to know that no but i would imagine that the you know the news sources of what kind what caliber is the gun how did you connect this firearm to all of these shootings and if it's a serial killer certain things and there's there's the picture right there if it's a serial killer 
there's two types of serial killers, organized and disorganized. Now, obviously, this is an organized serial killer because he's got a car. He's clearly he's traveling because some of these shootings are as much as 70 miles apart. So he's traveling. But could it be that the gun is traveling and someone is handing off the gun to someone else and they're trading it off? That, I believe, in this instance is unlikely. We found out in Manhattan North, um, where I worked, that guns would be lent out among the criminal element. And a gun used for a shooting or a murder in Manhattan may likely be found uh, in a shooting in the Bronx or a shooting in Brooklyn. Because the bad guy network was, was lending out their gun to other bad guys. So we we know that. But in, in this case, that looks like a serial killing. Um, that's probably not the case. Now, this is this is something called the automated firearm search system. And what you're looking at is fire pin, fire pin impressions, which is left on the spent shell. We we know that in the in this instance, that almost positively the, the firearm being used is a semi-automatic. For folks that don't know a lot about firearms, semi-automatics eject the spent shell out of the firearm and it's left on the scene. Like this picture depicts here, you see those three spent shells. Now that evidence helps police a great deal. It helps them to identify the firearm when they finally do make an arrest that has been used in, in multiple shootings. And this is one of the ways. And I'm going to show you what the identifying marks are besides what I just showed you was the fire fire pin impressions on the spent shell. That is a 100% identifier, and it can be identified in the automated firearm search system uh, or the integrated IBIS, the integrated uh, ballistics identification system. And it's very, very effective. This is all science, and ballistics experts uh, could explain this to you in great, great depth and great detail. This is a um, a spent cartridge casing. Now you could see those marks on the cartridge casing, and you could see on both of them, they're the same. That is an indication that both of these cartridges came cartridge cases came from the same firearm, and it can be positively identified. So if they find these cartridge cases in all of these, what they consider to be the serial killings, they can positively identify and link cases together. What you're seeing on the screen, that's the, a picture of a cartridge. Just like folks, if you don't know about uh, bullets, this gives you the good, a good anatomy of what a bullet looks like. There's another, this is a picture actually of a, of a, a bullet. And those are called lands and grooves, and they are positive identifiers. So if they actually recover the bullet, for example, they could recover a bullet inside a dead body and remove it. And so it would could be positively identified as coming from a very specific gun. Here's another excellent picture. You can see that's a, a fire firing pin impression. And these things will uh will positively identify the firearm in which uh, this round or this spent casing came from and link these all together. Sort of amazing science. Um, I want to play a little bit of this uh, this video here and uh, we'll, we'll get it from the news reporters. Um, okay. Let's see here. Southern California. The investigation is now expanding from Stockton into Oakland as well. Police say they believe seven shootings are connected and only one victim survived. I want you to take a look. These are the known victims in the case. They are all died between April of last year and this September. The first five victims were from Stockton, while one man, last name Vasquez Serrano, was killed in Oakland. And again, police say the only survivor was a 46-year-old homeless black woman shot in April of last year in Stockton. Now, with all of that, we get a new look 
and a person of interest that police are desperately trying to find. We are also learning more tonight about how this investigation is unfolding and how police are connecting the cases. ABC 10's Luke Clary has the latest. Stockton police paint a chilling picture of a person or persons on a mission, intentional about the now seven shooting incidents connected by ballistics evidence. A disturbing case that has drawn the national spotlight to Stockton. What we do believe is that it's, it's mission-oriented, right? This person's on a mission. Police Chief Stan McFadden releasing new video of a person of interest in connection with the string of serial killings. When you all see the video, I want you to pay close attention to the uneven stride that this person has. Police say this person was seen on surveillance video at more than one of the crime scenes. The shootings tied together by ballistics evidence. The first victim killed in Oakland last April. Five more men, all Hispanic but one, gunned down on different nights in Stockton this summer. It's mind-blowing. I just couldn't have imagined that. Nick Yaw lost his cousin, Paul. It's just terrible that this happened to him. I just hope we find the killer. At least two of the victims were homeless, but not all of them. The lone survivor, a 46-year-old homeless woman who was shot outside her tent, also, last April, there's multiple shots at her as she tried to defend herself by advancing at the suspect. She lived to provide a description. A dark COVID-style mask that was concealing his face and wearing a dark jacket as well. Like she said, there's no words mentioned at all. We cannot do it without you. Mayor Kevin now Lincoln pleading for people to come forward with information. You're empowered. You're empowered right now to submit information that you may know that leads to the arrest of, of an individual or individuals that are responsible for these murders. Stockton police determined to bring this case and the killings to a close. The business community and private donors here in Stockton coming together to increase the reward to $125,000 for information that leads to an arrest in this case. Search can so, folks, um, scary, you know, uh, but I, I think that the police chief is not being uh, totally honest. This is happening in homeless encampments. Is it accidental that almost every person involved here is is homeless? Uh, I think he should say that because that will help them to figure out this, this case. Willis Pony, thank you so much for the 1999 Super Chat. Is this the case that the first victim's trace from the weapon was years ago? No, actually, uh, they just uh, said it on the screen. Uh, it happened, the first case happened April 2021. But they, they're now coming out with some um, possibility that there's as many as 12 cases connected to this. So I think that as they do their research, as they dig more, as they go into the IBIS system, which is the integrated, this is where science comes into investigation. As they go into the integrated ballistics identification system and, you know, put out teletype me messages nationally and uh, other, you know, they should pop these ballistic hits all over the place. And that will tell us where these shootings have occurred, where this gun has been used. As I told you, we found out in the NYPD that bad guys uh, lend out their gun. They lend their gun out to other people and a gun used in a murder in Brooklyn, may be used the next week in a murder in Manhattan. And that same gun may be used in a murder in the Bronx. It's the bad guy network that lends their gun out. But in this instance, I believe this is a serial killer, and he, he's unique. He's using his own gun. Sleuth, uh, Sleuth NC, thank you for the $4, $4 super sticker. Very, I, I wasn't sure how to pronounce your name, but now I see it's Sleuth NC. Thank you so much. One of the things we spoke about, and when we when we deal with um, serial killers, we think about uh, you know what is their motivation? Why is this? And it appears to be a male from the video that we we saw. Why is he just shooting people randomly, shooting people? And the woman that he shot, who survived, I believe he shot her six times, or six or seven times, and hit her five times, like. Obviously, he means to kill the person. That poor lady, she survived. I can't imagine how she feels with those wounds right now or the paranoia you feel, uh, the real paranoia you feel after getting shot. It's a horrible thing to be shot. And uh, you talk to anyone 
that's been shot before. And when once they heal up, they'll tell you that there's a lot of uh, PTSD from it, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder or syndrome from being shot with a firearm, just thinking that someone tried and meant to kill me. And it's it's not a good feeling, obviously. And anyone, if you could speak to anyone who's been shot, they will tell you that same thing. And uh, I'm going to play a little bit more of this here. Are now saying they have linked a suspected serial killer to more murders than originally thought. The Stockton, California Police Department says evidence now connects the suspect in five California murders from this year to seven <gasps> others across the state. Police have not said if there are motives in these killings. In all 12 cases, the victims were shot to death. And as more information in these cases come out, Northern Californians say they are starting to worry for their safety. Usually I like to be on my phone a lot, but now I just want to make sure I'm looking around both sides. If I'm taking the bus, I'm making sure what's around me, what's behind me. Please say the suspect is between 5'10 and 6 feet tall, but few other details are available since they were wearing long sleeves and a mask. There's a reward in this case is up to $115,000. You know, one of the things that the police chief said was uh, check out his uneven gait. Gate by gate, I mean G-A-I-T. <laughs> it's not a word that's used that often these days. We used to use it in policing all the time. The uneven gait, which simply means that he's walking with almost like a limp. And, you know, sometimes when you see a person's, a person's gait, it's so unique to them that you'll say, that's so-and-so. Look at how he walks. That's exactly how he walks. And we all know people like that. We all know people that we can identify from their walk. And as I said, this guy has this uneven gait. It almost looks like to me that, you know, and I, this is the first thing I thought, because I, I know how I've worn an ankle holster for a firearm, and I know how it throws off your, your, your step, because now you have this, whatever, 38 caliber revolver weighs two, three-pound firearm on your ankle. And it's almost like having anchor ankle weights and it does throw off your gait and I, I, that's the first thing i thought of was when he was when he was walking that could he be carrying a firearm on his uh on his ankle is that a possibility and you know of course i think like a cop and that that's the first thing i thought let's see if we can watch a little bit of this they want to speak to this person about five killings in the city and one in nearby Oakland. Investigators released this surveillance video, hoping someone will be able to identify a person of interest. So, folks, you see that uneven gate. I'm going to play it again. Oakland. Investigators released this surveillance video, hoping someone will be able to identify a person of interest in this case. Police say the person was seen on surveillance video obtained during the investigation that matches the description given to them by a surviving victim from a shooting last year. The police chief says the person has an unusual walk. I want to pay close attention to the uneven stride that this person has. You know, I like to think we all have a normal gait and walk about us when we walk around. But this person's posture is extremely upright and, and it's noticeable. The chief says there is no evidence directly connecting the person to any of the killings, and they are just being sought for questioning. The department says five men have all been shot to death in Stockton between July 8th and September 27th. They were all ambushed late at night or early in the morning. Investigators say ballistic evidence links all of these cases together, but they don't know if there is one or multiple suspects. There is now a $125,000 reward being offered in this case. If you have any information, you're asked to contact the Stockton Police Department at 209-946-0600. For Inside Edition Digital, I'm Mara Montalbano. So, folks, you know, we know for sure that, you know, uh, serial killers, they create a huge amount of panic in, in an area. I, I can remember uh, 1977. Wow. That sounds like the Stone Age. It sounds like I was in a cave 
hitting two rocks together to start a flame to heat, heat up the cave, 1977. But back in 1977, I, I forget, I was, I was in college, I was real young, and there was this killer who was targeting Lover's Lanes in Queens and in uh, New York City, uh, in Brooklyn, and he was using a 44 caliber bulldog. They had put that the ballistics evidence together, and I I believe he had killed uh, between I don't know five and seven people. I don't have the exact amount, and he of course uh, was known as the son of Sam, David Berkowitz, and it threw New York City into such a state of panic. Not just New York City, but the surrounding areas, the surrounding suburbs. And there was a lot of, um, you know, misinformation put out by the press. Oh, he just shoots uh, women with long brown hair. And uh, they, that was that was thought of early on who he was targeting. And it, and it turned out he wasn't. He was just sometimes serial killers and criminals are creatures of just opportunity. And they they take the opportunity to commit their crime, and they're not really considering who they are shooting. In this instance, it seemed that he had some kind of psychosexual uh, deviateness because he was targeting uh, couples in lovers' lanes, making love or making out or whatever. And there's something I would think most psychologists or psychiatrists or serial killer experts would tell you that there was a psychosexual component to that. And I, I have I have no doubt about that. And when he was uh, caught, and it, it, as I said, it threw New York City into a tizzy. Nightclubs, businesses, they were all hurting big time because no one was going out because they were terrified of this guy, you know? And, you know, even the mafia in New York City, they, they, they were like, they wanted this guy bad because who owns the clubs, you know? The wise guys own the clubs, and they were like, we got to get this guy. And it really – so the the parallel I'm drawing here is in Stockton. There could be as many – they're talking now, there could be as many as 12 of these as they spread out from the city of Stockton to other – and the, the matches are being made, you know, not by identification of, a, of an individual, but ballistics identification. And ballistics identification is scientific. It's a science. There's a fired bullet, lands in grooves. Look at how perfect that can be identified that's put under a microscope. And a ballistics expert, a detective usually, uh, almost every case I know of, identifies it as being fired from a very specific gun, the gun that, that they recovered. And they test it. And the way they tested, folks, it, it, you know, you wouldn't believe it. Everyone thinks everything's so sophisticated. Ballistics units have a huge tank, almost like a huge fish tank, right? And it had, there's a, a barrel that goes down into the water. And they fire the gun into the water. And if you could watch it in slow motion, you'd see the, the bullet enter the water, of course, at a ridiculous high rate of speed. But if you could slow it down... And it causes like a big tidal wave inside the tank. And then the um, the round, the fired round sinks to the bottom of the tank. And then they use something equally scientific, a stick with a piece of gum on it to retrieve that round. So it doesn't do any damage to it. And that's how they retrieve it. They pull that round out. And then they compare the fired the fired round. They pull it out. And I guess, you know, sometimes there's so much different lingo in the language of ballistics. And they would, a lot of uh, purists in the ballistics field would say, well, it, it's a projectile. <laughs> so I'm calling it around the, the fired projectile sinks to, to the bottom of the tank. They remove it from the tank with a stick with a piece of gum on it. Now the ballistics expert puts it under a microscope and examines what's called the lands and the grooves. And that's a good picture of, of, of lands and grooves. I, you can see in between. Uh, I, I believe those are the lands, and then the, these are the grooves that I'm pointing to. 
they they go under the microscope and they can identify it exactly as coming from a specific firearm. And if you ever spoke to a ballistic expert, they love their job. Oh my God, do they love their job. They talk about guns as if they're some kind of holy object, you know? And thank God we have people like that because they do an unbelievable job at, at making ballistics identifications. But they so every ballistics expert I've ever met, I've ever spoken to, speaks about guns in almost like a holier-than-thou way. Oh, my God. Look at this gun. That's a vintage blah, 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 44 caliber, this or that. Or oh, this gun is a piece of junk. They used to use the term Saturday Night Special, you know, for a cheapo gun that was sold out on the street. But guess what? Saturday Night Specials back in the day used to kill people just as well as a vintage firearm that cost $1,000, you know? so. But now you don't really see those Saturday night specials as much. You're seeing really uh, state-of-the-art guns on the street, 9-millimeter Glocks, you know, uh, Beretta, uh, 9-millimeters, 380s, 45s. It's, it, the guns are out there, and the manufacturers are still making them, and the guns wind up in the hands of, uh, of bad guys, you know? So, th again, these... Right here is a um, a firing pin impression, and that is a, a, an identifier of um, it's on the spent shell on on where the primer, uh, excuse me, the firing pin hits the primer, and that's an identifiable mark that is so unique to the firearm also, and that's something that a ballistics expert will also identify. It's good to know like the different parts of the of the bullet. There we have the primer at the very bottom. Inside is where the gunpowder is. You know, and when the primer is struck by the firing pin, it causes a spark. It ignites the powder. Uh, there's the projectile, copper jacket or a lead core. And that explosion inside the casing causes uh, the projectile to exit the firearm. And that becomes what we know as the bullet, right? And the bullet exits the gun, and that's what is used to uh, to shoot people. I had a better picture of the inside. I don't know if I still have it. There's a there's another picture of the of they they are considering him the per person of interest. Um, I had a picture, I believe, of the um, of the barrel of the gun, and just just so you know, the barrel of the gun the inside of that barrel, the process that machines that barrel causes, and the way it ex explained to me, it, it allows the bullet to travel almost like in a spiral moment, like a, a quarterback throwing a pass in football. And the process that makes that the interior of that barrel, the machining puts a the, these grooves on the inside of the barrel. And those grooves imprint upon the projectile. If this is getting too scientific for you guys, I, I'll understand because I'm not a ballistics expert, but I think I'm explaining it correctly. And I know that there's probably a ballistics expert out there right now that's like dying to jump in here and, and correct me and tell me, no, Sergeant Bill, you're wrong. This is this. Uh, and if there is, you're welcome to join in here. I'd welcome you in here because I fully admit I'm not a ballistics expert. And I know that there is three components to ballistics because I used to actually teach this when I taught college. And there's internal ballistics, external ballistics, and terminal ballistics. Internal ballistics is everything that happens inside the firearm. There's a lot of lot going on inside that firearm, right? Uh the firearm, the, the firing pin strikes the primer. There's an explosion inside the casing. The, the projectile exits uh, the muzzle of the firearm. Smoke and flame. I wish I had a, a, um, uh, an example of that. Smoke and flame comes out the end of the firearm. And soot, which if in a close contact wound, that would be known as stippling or GSR, gunshot residue. And that's the interior of, of the firearm. So 
We have internal, external. External, of course, is everything that goes on outside the firearm. And again, I sort of cheated a little bit because the projectile exiting the muzzle of the gun is external ballistics. The gunshot residue, the stippling, all of that stuff is external ballistics. And we could do demonstrations on if you fire a gun, uh, you know, two inches away from, uh, say, even a cloth, just to give an example. You know, we're not going to use skin, but that you would, you could see what the imprint that the firearm leaves at two inches, at four inches, at six inches, at eight inches, at 12 inches. It leaves what's called stippling. When it's very close or even held against something, it leaves an imprint no, uh, that's known as tattooing. And it leaves an actual imprint of the uh, of the muzzle of the firearm on what it's pressed up against. Why is that important? Because that tells um, that tells a pathologist, that tells someone examining a gunshot wound how close the firearm was to the to the person. Rocky K9, thank you for the ten dollar super chat. Like your channel, Bill. Thumbs up in the chat. Thank you so much, Rocky K9. I really appreciate it. As I said, you guys, uh, I'm so happy with, with our subscribers, with our fans. I like to call them our fans. Some people take umbrage to that, but I like to call you guys our fans. Folks, this is Police Off the Cuff. Real crime stories. And uh, if, you, if you really like this channel, please go on our YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. Give us a thumbs up and ring that bell. We really appreciate uh, all of us subscribers. If you want to support us, we have a Patreon with three different levels, and you can support us. And we also have a YouTube channel members. We have five different levels to that. And you can see the folks in the uh, in the chat with the green font. They're part of our channel members. Uh, well, as Pony, Supreme Commander, I remember that as well. In Maryland, there was a scare as well at the same time. You know, Willis Pony, thank you for reminding me. I want to bring up the Beltway Snipers, which through the Washington, D.C. area, the Maryland area, that in total panic. And I don't know exact, uh, the, exactly what year, but I remember the names. It was Muhammad and Malvo. And uh, one of the reasons I remember that uh let me just pull it up. I can pull up the exact year. Is that there was so many? Um, it was it was October uh, two thousand two. So it's almost it's twenty years ago. Can you believe that? Twenty years ago, the Beltway Snipers. And one of the reasons that I always remember this is because there were so many uh, serial killer profilers people that profile serial killers and they were so wrong and so off on predicting who the beltway snipers were that it, I lost all my faith in, uh, in profilers. Uh, they predicted, Oh, the shooter here is a male white in his thirties. He lives with his mother. They had came up with all this nonsense and if you followed the Beltway Sniper case, and it was a horrible case, just absolutely horrible, uh, shooting innocent people, a lot of times at gas pumps, mothers, fathers, people for going about their business, just killing them from a distance. And it turned out the shooter was a 17-year-old male black, and the, his male counterpart was like 32 or 35-year-old male. And they had gone around the Washington, D.C. area in a, uh, I think it was a Chevy Caprice. And the shooter, uh, who was uh, Malvo, 17-year-old kid, would lay down in the trunk of the car with the where the license plate was. He would, with a scope rifle, would shoot through there. So what happened was what that served to do was to muffle the sound of, of the firearm and also keep the ballistic evidence, i.e. the spent shell, inside the trunk of the car so that investigators were not recovering any ballistics other than the fired round. 
So it was baffling, and so much incorrect information came out during that case. Oh, uh, you know, we think they're shooting from a large white panel truck. And it was totally wrong. It was they were off on almost every single thing in that. So what what is the constants in these things? What is what can we always count on? And I always harp upon this in every investigation we have. We can always count on the science. The ballistic is gonna get these people, the ballistic evidence, because that's gonna tell us who it is. But I just as I said, I don't mean to just pound out on these uh profilers, but I don't know what they're based. Is it really a science profiling? I don't know if it really is. What are they making these predictors? And I know the FBI has a school for profilers. And all the profilers that were profiling the Beltway snipers, many of them had attended this school, but they were so off. I was like, how is this? This is junk science, you know? And 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 it it hurts. It hurts in an investigation like that. Because you're telling people what they should be looking for. And they were so, so wrong that I just, uh, it's just crazy. I'm sure there's going to be profilers in this case too, you know. Uh, I, I think that they're going to come out of the woodwork because this this is a, uh, this is a serial killer. It's been linked together through... Um, ballistics evidence so we know there's at least uh i believe seven and as as much as as many as 12. so why aren't they telling us why aren't they putting that together i mean we're hearing that from a news report that the chief there isn't telling us yeah there there could be as many as 12 and, and if there is as many as 12 that shows us that this shooter that this killer is really traveling He's traveling around to shoot people so that we, every areas that are surrounding Stockton, they need to be apprised of this guy. They need to know what, what they're looking for. You know, he's traveling, he's traveling around. So we need to know, you know, we need to know what, what is he doing? Uh, why is he doing it? How is he traveling? I want to show you, this is the female victim. She goes on the news and uh, she talks about, she sees the guy. But again, it's dark. He's wearing a mask. Uh, and she she saves her own life basically by her actions. Let me play a little bit of this. This is the woman who survived. To get to tonight, for the first time we are hearing from a woman who says she is the sole survivor of the suspected Stockton serial killer. Um, I ran towards him knowing that I'd have to get closer to the street if I wanted to survive. And then um, as I did that, then he, uh, you know, got down like a, like a movie star pose. You know what I mean? Because at first he was just holding it like a, like a, you know, like a, like a thug. And I was really hoping his aim was going to be off because it was like, you know, like that. You know what I mean? And then as I went towards him, then, then he got down like, you know, with, with two. And then, and then it became my height. Well, the 209 Times just putting out this video with the woman who says she survived the April 2021 attack in Stockton, even describing the moments after she was shot and her injuries. So I was scooting on my back, then I got to the street, and, and, and then I said, as clear as day, um, I, I, I know it's scary. You can keep yourself out of harm's way, but please call 911. I'm dying. And in the hospital, the, the, they took seven bullets out. I mean, I'm sorry, six, six bullets out. Mm -hmm. And then um, and then one one was removed from, I mean, one popped out of here, just two, two bullets inside me, and then one right here. This poor lady shot seven times. You know, when it, when you when people say uh, it wasn't your time to go, I mean, I really believe that. But you know, her actions helped save her own life. You know, amazing. Don't ever be a victim. You know, don't you know? Society used to teach us to be victims. Oh, do what the bad guy says. No, no, don't do what the bad guy says. Save your own life. You know what I mean? That that conscientious objector attitude, that uh, passive resistance bullshit. No, save your own life. Someone's going to try to take your life or do something against your will, you fight. Don't listen to these liberals. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't help myself. These progressives, oh, give it up to them. No, no, they may still kill you. So go down fighting like a lion rather than submitting like a lamb, you know? It's, uh, 
It's disgraceful. So again, serial killer, I don't know why they're not, uh, they really need to put more information out there. I think that the, the chief of the police there, he's really, I think, more concerned with causing panic than he is with disseminating disinformation out there and protecting the public. You know, we got a serial killer out there. He's using XYZ caliber handgun. You know, something was very interesting that the, the, the female victim said. At first, he held the gun like a thug, like firing like a thug. And then he got into, she described it as a Hollywood stance. What that really is, is a combat stance. That's a stance of someone who was trained how to shoot by a professional. So could this guy have been trained? Because he goes from the thug stance all of a sudden to the two hands on on the gun combat stance. That's what that is. That's what she was describing. So could he be trained? Could he could he be ex-military? We need to answer all these questions. But again, the ballistics the ballistics evidence is gonna give us a a path of where he's been where he's going. You know, what are his intentions? This guy's out there shooting people, you know? And here you look, you see those three spent shells on the ground, and that's part of the science. That's the science that's going to link these shootings together, that's going to identify this guy eventually. And uh, using the public to help in this investigation is going to eventually catch this serial killer. I mean, they're very careful, you know, look at that. Those are the, I spoke to you guys before. These are the extractor and the ejector marks on the, the uh, spent casing. And that is also part of the science to this. That's going to lead us to identify this perpetrator. And um, as I said, there's no scarier thing for a community to have someone out there who has been delineated has been identified as he's a serial killer and he's shooting and killing people for no reason. I mean, think of the panic that that delivers to a community. Um, second to none. So guys, I just wanted to, um, well, as pony, I feel like I should pay for this great college course in ballistics from the Supreme commando. All you flatter me. Thank you so much. Uh, after all, left out loud, Sergeant Bill is always expecting the pushback's opinion. Yeah, you know something? I read pretty much all the chats. And, you know, you know, of course you, you love the love that we receive. But there's some negativity. There's some people that no matter what you say are going to disagree with you. And, you know, I had um, Yael Bartour on last week, and she's the Israeli girl, very pretty girl smart girl, nice girl. She's a um, an expert in social media. And I had said something about progressives and liberals have destroyed policing on a national level. And some woman came back at me with such venom. Oh, you shouldn't say that. You make this political, you lose subscribers. I said, I'm ready to lose subscribers because the day that I stop giving my opinion on this podcast is the day I stop doing this podcast, because I'm going to say what I believe. And if you don't like it, I go, you're obviously in the wrong place. Unsubscribe and leave, because I'm never going to stop giving my opinion. And uh, so I haven't I haven't seen her since, so she must have left. Supreme Court, are shell casings hot when ejected? Is that why they are left? They are very hot, but they, they are left behind because a semi-automatic firearm ejects them out of the ejector port and another round feeds into the chamber from the magazine. And so as the gun, the slide goes back, the gun fires, the slide goes back, it ejects the spent shell out the ejector port and at the same time feeds a live round into the chamber. That's how a, a semi-automatic works. I wish I, I had um, pictures of that too so I could show you guys that. Um, one day I'll bring on a, um, ballistics expert and, uh, I, well, you know, John Pellucci, I should bring him on. Uh, he has all the toys he can, uh, 
explain all this to you and we'll do a demonstration on ballistics and as i said people investigators detectives that are ballistics experts they love guns they just absolutely i don't love guns i mean i have i own guns uh and i own guns from when i was on the police department i have a carry permit i have an hr 218 that entitles me to carry in any state of the union but i don't I probably should love guns more than I do. I should go to the range a lot more often than I do, and I don't. Sleuth NC, thank you for the 199 super sticker. You so listen, guys. I just want to really, and I really mean this. Thank you guys so much for really supporting this channel. Uh, uh, Pete and Rachella Pranzo, two of our biggest fans, right from the beginning. You know, I'm coming to March will be four years I've been doing this, and huge learning curve to doing this show. For the first, I think, year and a half or two years, we weren't on YouTube. We had actually were doing Spotify and Anchor, and we were on listening sites. So it took us a while to learn where the best place to be was with this podcast. And um, I fig- I feel now I am, and I had help from Duty Ron, and he gave me a lot of uh, YouTube lessons, which I've I've learned maybe the hard way. But uh, I want to thank all you guys, our, our fans, our subscribers our YouTube channel members, our Patreon members, and just you folks that are subscribed that come here every time I go live. It's so helpful. I mean, last night, uh, and I don't know if it was because we had Joe Murray on and I had Phil Grimaldi on. We had over a 1,000 people in the chat last night. And that's that's amazing, you know? And it just shows we're getting tremendous growth on this channel. And I, I want to thank all you guys that that have enabled us to grow the way we have, you know. Uh, Anthony Tony Candela, I think you're talking about the Beltway snipers. They got arrested sleeping in their car at a restaurant. Uh, that's exactly uh, true, Anthony Tony Candela. They were two very dangerous guys. Um, I think Muhammad got the death penalty, and I think Malvo, um, he. Um, was 17 at the time. So I think to be eligible for the death penalty, you have to be 18 or older. And I think he wasn't eligible for it or else I'm sure that they would, uh, they would have loved to give him the death penalty. Just a horrible, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was three weeks, four weeks of just mayhem and them shooting people for no reason. You know, people, going to work, people filling up the cars with gas and getting shot to death. Just just outrageous. Michelle Bollard, good to see you, Michelle. Uh, thank you for the 599 super sticker. It's also great to see you back in the chat. I know you've been around for a while, and then I didn't see you for a while, but welcome back. You know, it's like the welcome back Carter. Welcome back. <laughs> well, I forget the rest of that. Remember, welcome back Carter. I'm showing my age, you know. That was John Travolta's first um, TV role as an actor. What is that? Welcome back. There's your ticket out. All your names have changed since you come around. (laughs) I can't remember all the words to that song. It was so long ago. But that was John Travolta's, uh, one of his first TV, which I guess uh, catapulted him to stardom. I mean, he's he's a tremendous star. He's a tremendous actor, tremendous talent. Um, Milwaukee civilian, sorry to be late. I'll catch up on the episode later. Thanks for keeping us informed about these crimes. Sergeant Bill, you're very welcome, Milwaukee civilian. Thank you for coming by. So guys, I I think I'm going to, uh, I'm almost, I'm at like 55 minutes. Uh, I wanted to apprise you of this case. Uh, we're going to be following it as well. Um, as if there are updates on the Debbie Collier case. I will give you an update. I know Duty Ron is doing a show this evening in regards to the Debbie Collier case. He's going to dissect uh, the vehicle and the forensic uh, investigation of the vehicle, the van she was driving. And it should be tremendously interesting. So I'd implore you, if you're around this evening for Duty Ron, I believe he's going to be going on at 8 p.m. Uh, oh, well, let's put it. Did I answer this? Yes, shell casings are hot when they are ejected. I think I did answer it, but they, yes, they are hot. You know, if you ever, when we shoot at the range, uh, the NYPD range, sometimes you'll get a hot 
spent shell right down your shirt. And they tell you, if that happens, don't be waving your gun around like this because you could shoot someone on the line. Drop your gun and step backwards. <laughs> you had to be trained. You know, look, it happens. I've had hot spent shells go down my shirt. And I'm like, whoa, you know, you can jump around like a hot tamale. But you got a gun in your hand. So, you know, and you're at wall trained. Oh, I don't want to drop it to the ground. It's a gun. Place it as, as easily as you can on the ground and step back and get that spent shell out from against your skin. <laughs> yeah, I've seen people on the on the range get a hot a hot spent shell, and they, they do look like a hot tamale jumping up and down. It's somewhat funny, but when you have a live firearm in your hand, it's not that funny, you know. And it's happened to me too. So people were probably laughing at me too. Look at that guy; he's got a spent shell underneath his shirt. <laughs> uh, wow, JC. And I, I don't know what you're responding to here, but it's an interesting, and I always tell people the same thing. Make as much noise as you can. Scream, shout, don't stop. Go for what you can. Throw dice, testicles. Sorry, guys. Break fingers if you can. Pop a knee. Woof. Life or death situations, you're 100% right. You do what you have to do to survive. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Phil Grimaldi was in the chat. I didn't even know. I love guns somewhat. I don't sleep with my gun, although it's close by. <laughs> Uh, Cassie Lane, I totally agree with your opinion. We need more respect for police and military like we used to have. Cassie Lane, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Brad R., I love guns. I love hunting with my kids and grandchildren. Um, Nadia Kusan, right on. Continue your good work. Thank you, guys. And again, thank all of, I thank all of you for your support. Uh, Richella Pranzo, Pete and I came into the city to do Pete's first podcast with you guys. That's right. That's right. Richella, that was scary. That was probably over three years ago, right? And I knew Lieutenant Pete from 1988 when I was in street crime. And he had those, those gross mutton chops. Remember, Richella? He had those sideburns. <laughs> he had those big sideburns. Uh, what a hell of a guy, though, you got there. For sure. Uh, Shelly Huckabay, I think I will like this podcast. I'm not very techie. Not sure what this is actually called. I subscribe so I can find you again. Thank you, Shelly. I think you'll like it. I think we have a great community. I think we have some really interesting shows. We do some really interesting topics. Uh, and uh, join the family. Join the police off the cuff, real crime stories family. Uh and BB2, Bill, we wait for your morning show. It's similar to waiting for your BFF to call. <laughs> I love that. Uh, Phil is saying it's an honor to have such a great audience. It sure is. It sure is. I love uh, that we have this great community and that you guys all get along well with each other. That's the most important thing on your report card when you're a kid, right? Uh, gets along well with others, right? <laughs> Anthony, Tony, Candela, come upstate and enjoy. Lake George. Lake George is gorgeous, beautiful. Look at this. Duty Ron actually showed up. He can't stay away. Hi, I'm here to, to hear Bitchin' with Will. Bill. Today it actually wasn't Bitchin' with Bill. I was trying to cover the um, serial killer in Compton, uh, California. Excuse me, Stockton, California. Compton. Where did I get Compton? Stockton, California. And we're going we're gonna to come back to this. We'll cover this again. It's a big story. And uh, Hopefully this guy will be caught very soon and spare the lives of people that, that would be or could be his future victims. So again, folks, if you're not subscribed to us, go on our YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, and ring that bell. And again, you could join our Patreon, three different levels, or our YouTube channel memberships, and join the family of our YouTube fam uh, channel members. and. I'm sure we would love to have you aboard. Uh, JC's at Sergeant Bill, Birds of a Feather, as you and Phil, the way you conduct yourselves, you attract decent people to your channel. JC, thank you so much. I like, you know, I like to use cliches sometimes that uh, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. And just like you said, birds of a feather flock together, you know, and that's, there's a lot of truth to that, you know, and like-minded people, you know, I don't know. I, we all come up with a million different cliches, but uh, JC, thank you. And I've seen you in our chat numerous times. It's great to have you aboard. And uh, 
look at this. We got all these all these people coming in late, uh, but it's it's great to see all you guys. Uh, talks to angels. Have a blessed day. Look at that. I went over an hour. I'm gonna I'm gonna get out of here right now, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Again, uh, I'm not gonna steal Duty Ron's um, goodbye, but my goodbye is always have a great day. Stay safe and uh, God bless. One episode, just saying enough.